Welcome to Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky, where we help you to create more safety and enjoyment in the bedroom. I'm Natalie Viers, a pleasure and intimacy coach. And I'm Rocky Peterson, Yoni massage practitioner and pleasure educator. This is a space where you get to open your mind, be free of your inhibitions and play. Hey folks, we're here for another episode of Getting Off with Natalie and Rocky. And today we are going to talk about stop deprioritizing, that's a tongue twister, your own pleasure. And today we had kind of a little bit of a plan, but you know, we like to improvise and kind of be a little bit spontaneous. And Natalie has a story for us today. So Natalie. So this is only tangentially related But I had this experience this morning, and it's so relevant to our overall mission that I wanted to open up this episode by by referencing this. But the main thing that we are offering in this space is a conversation about how to bring more safety and enjoyment into the bedroom. And I have a very good friend who recently met someone that she's incredibly excited about. And he's coming for a visit. He lives far away. And so it's a big, a big deal for them to meet in person for the first time. And I was just talking with her this morning about how crazy confusing her experience is as she is looking forward to meeting up with this man and picking him up at the airport later today. Because while she's incredibly excited and very much looking forward to meeting him and connecting with him and definitely already thinking about wanting to enjoy sex with him and those kind of things, her body has been freaking out in anticipation of his arrival. And she was sharing with me, I won't get into them specifically, but basically all of these symptoms that her body has been bringing up over the last few days that have been really uncomfortable for her to deal with. And I wanted to bring this story to the table because it's a demonstration of how important the safety element is in engagement for women in in any kind of sexual intimacy. It truly doesn't matter how genuinely we excited we are for that contact to occur. Our body has a language and experience of its own. And our body is processing as we look forward to something that we anticipated and are excited about. Our body is processing all of these emotions and all of these past experiences and all of these associations that come up when looking forward to connecting in a sexual way. And while I have no doubt that these two particular people are well versed enough in you know, what it takes to safely and intimately connect so that they will have a really enjoyable time together. The whole reason we created this podcast is because a lot of people still don't know how to engage that way, how to create the kind of safety that allows both to relax into deep connection. So I wanted to bring this because Pleasure in any new connection is such a big part of what's going to be happening. But if you're not dealing with the safety element at the same time and acknowledging the complexity of what's going on when we 
engage in the realm of pleasure, you're missing out on the depth of what you can experience. <laughs> I was I was thinking earlier this morning that you know what most people experience in sexual connection like kind of hookup culture and this more casual approach to sex is like one of those dinky little traveling carnivals that goes around in like the middle states of the US <laughs> the small town ones when what is actually available in truly connected and open and curious and vulnerable and raw expression of sexual engagement is like your dream theme park with all your favorite rides and a ton of rides that you aren't familiar with that you're excited to check out. And there's also like this cave of wonders aspect that's just like all these treasures to unearth (laughs) and this like kind of endless feeling in terms of what's there to discover. And so it's a vastly different experience. And that's my lead into why we're having a conversation about the importance of pleasure. Well, considering deprioritization is our topic today, that and based on what you're saying, I've got a couple of questions. So one, it seems clear, it seems obvious that if we don't feel safe, that's an excuse to deprioritize for sure. And two, if you're having physical manifestations of something unpleasant, you know, leading up towards, you know, some kind of sexual activity with somebody, I I could see how that discomfort could actually, you know, kind of motivate you to deprioritize. It's like, oh, maybe I should hold off on this because it just doesn't feel right in my body. So, I mean, what do you think's going on with your with your friend is is it safety or is it a physical excitement that it's safety okay i can just tell you from what i know about how our bodies work and process emotions and things as we're looking forward to an experience as we're anticipating an experience our mind and our body bring up our closest associations and our past experiences with it I have already talked in a, in the previous episode about the notion of the collective dick as I refer to it right. <laughs> jokingly in my course, which is the way that we create these generalized associations with our experiences. And it's our body's job to protect us. Our brain is is interpreting all these experiences and, and you know, so things get filed away as safe or not safe. And so for almost all women. This is this is like an incredibly normal and common experience. And I would say that not all women are aware that this is happening for them, but almost all women have this experience of their body bringing up these associations. I can't speak for the experience of being a man. I think it's possible that this happens for men too. But it's an internal communication that is happening for the purpose of self-preservation, right? We're making our body is having this conversation with us to make sure that what we're moving into is is going to be a safe experience for us because we have all this previous experience of not feeling safe. So there's like this checking process that is happening. I think I see it a lot in, you know, my service for women because when someone schedules I get an email instantaneously. You have a new appointment. Okay, cool. 11 minutes later, appointment canceled. Now, I have all kinds of things all over my website talking about 
how I'm going to uphold your boundaries. We're not going to do anything that you don't want to do. Um, of course, no means no. All of those, all of those things to like give someone a heads up that this is going to be something different in that you can rely on someone taking time and not, you know, pushing you or trying to coerce you in any way, shape or form to do, you know, something beyond exactly what you want to happen. But in spite of all of that information, in spite of the fact that I'm putting it out there that this is so unique in your experience with men, they still end up getting nervous. That's, I mean, I, this is what I hear. They, I just got too nervous. So you're telling me this is what's going on. This is what's happening. I would say that processing fear is a completely normal aspect of like preparing to engage with someone sexually for a woman. Right. So this client that you're talking about this morning, your friend, this is the first time she's met this guy. So <laughs> one of the other things that happens with my clients is they'll see some of my uh, erotic content, like my list of themes or something, and they'll They'll get really excited. It's like, oh, I want to try this. I mean, it's like a kid in the candy store. I mean, you you call it the menu, but some of it can really be arousing to read and they get excited and they text me and tell me, you know, oh, I want this to happen and I want that to happen. And, and in a way that almost makes me a little bit nervous for them because the more someone like gets uninhibited in communicating about what's going to happen, it feels like the greater chance that they're going to be confronted with that moment where it's like, wow, I told this guy I want to do all these things and gosh, I've never even met him yet. So I'm not sure I want to do this. And that's when they cancel. Yeah, because our nervous system only has capacity for so much at one time. And when we're in the realm of fantasy and we're talking about all these things we'd like to do, talking about it is not the same as actually considering what it's like to receive into your system those experiences. The moment your body starts to sit with what it will be like to receive all of that, your nervous system wigs out and goes, not safe, not safe, too much. And unless you are a very self-aware person who is capable of having an inner dialogue with your fear and navigating around that, fear is going to win every time. Yeah, yeah. I see it regularly. I have people come to me that, you know, have been trying to come for a year or two and finally muster the courage to. It's their nervous system like topping out and going, oh, hell no, I can't handle all that. It's funny. I have a mentor who the conversation we're often having it revolves around manifestation but she has this one analogy that she uses that talks about how you know when we're asking to receive things from the universe our nervous system has to do that receiving right our energy field has to actually physically receive all the sensation and the energy of all of that and sometimes we will block our own requests our own manifestations by asking for too much, too big of a leap from where we currently are. And she said, it's like you've been working with a nice, nice little, little average penis and, and you're, you're real happy with it, real comfortable. And, and it's been working for you. And then all of a sudden you're asking for like 13 inches, like your body's going to be like, oh no, you're not letting that anywhere near you. It's not safe. It's way too big of a leap. So you're going to block 
what you've asked for. You're going to block that manifestation because your your system is literally going to be like, I that's beyond capacity. Can't do it. Uh-uh. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So how did it turn out? Were you able to coach her to get her? She's an incredibly self-aware, like processing her own magic in motion kind of person. And so our conversation, she's going to watch a particular movie with this man and have a good vulnerable cry around him, which will give her body a chance to experience a sense of rawness and vulnerability that isn't sexual with him that will then prepare her and open her into being available for an even more intimate type of connection. And Are you serious? She's going to cry? I mean, yeah. <laughs> the, the way the conversation developed, I mean, she, she and I are just very intuitive beings. So this, this one particular movie came into our field during this conversation, and it's a topic relevant to her and this man. And it happens to be because of the enormity of what it means to receive this man into her experience and everything that comes with him. It's a lot that comes with him. She's processing a ton of emotion. Uh, she just has a ton of emotion alive in her system right now. So a movie that is touching her in a place that is particularly meaningful right now is going to inspire a cry at a depth that she needs because of all the things that are alive right now. Probably a lot of things could make her cry right now because of everything just kind of swimming around in there. But this one just happened to present itself as as the right thing for this moment for her and the right story that she needs to touch base with. But that was my input is that I let her know that it wasn't her idea to watch the movie and have a good cry and have that be the thing that opened her up. I said, guess what watching that movie will do for you? You'll, <laughs> you won't be able to watch that movie and not cry you'll share that experience with him. You'll feel the safety of that experience with him and you'll feel that it feels good to cry with him, at which for women is a very, very attractive feeling. If we can cry with you and just feel your presence around that and, you know, and just like receive love in that, it's very sexy. It's, it makes us want to connect on an even deeper level. Okay, well... I do have to admit, from a guy's perspective, that could be a little bit of a surprise. In this case, with the kind of communication that's going on between them, it's it's not going to rock this guy. Okay. All right. So he's queued up for it. He's prepared for it. This is not necessarily the approach that I would recommend to just anyone. This is like, and not every romantic meeting is like this. You know, a lot of times a first date is just a first date. You don't know anything about someone, really. You're just getting to know them. Like, it's not packed with the same kind of meaning as when you've spent time getting to know someone and you know that everything that you've talked about is aligned and all the things are feeling right. And there's just so much that is packed into that experience that when sex is wrapped up in all of that, it's like a big ball of yarn. There's no one tangling the things from each other. You can't separate sex up out of that. It's it's all happening concurrently. And so how you approach it and how you be with that changes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it definitely sounds like she's not deprioritizing. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she's in the opposite mode right now. 
Well, she's actively working through a ton of fear in order to open up to what is potentially available to her. I think that this story wanted to come through because it's the combination of so many of our past experiences that creates this shutdown experience for women, for men too. I have had a couple deeply inspiring conversations with men about where they've told me that they have become shut down in their experience and feel the need to open back up to life again. So I think that that is a shared experience amongst men and women. But women in particular can become very, very guarded, very heavily protected because there are a lot of things that are harmful in our experience, especially when we're young and you know, young boys haven't learned much yet about how to do diddly squat and we haven't learned much either. So the pleasure often involves stepping into a more vulnerable space because it requires openness to receive and just the act of opening more often in our lives requires courage. It requires, you know, moving through the process of being with all of our experiences. The first question that we have here is, you know, why have I deprioritized my pleasure? How did I get to this place? So I can talk to that. I see a lot of it with clients that come in and they haven't had sex in two years or five years or I mean, I see people that haven't had sex in 20 or 30 years. And it's like, why not? I don't ask it quite like that. But I mean, it's, you know, it's like we want to look at what's happening. Why aren't we prioritizing it? And it's like, well, you know, there's the kids. And then, then there was, you know, the cat died. And, and then, you know, his mother-in-law was sick. And, and I mean, we hear a lot of, you know, the everyday trials and tribulations of life being something that keeps people from having sex for years. Those are just excuses. That's what people tell themselves uh, when they're not aware of the deeper reason. And the deeper reason is because it's uncomfortable to go there. I want to broaden the conversation beyond, I mean, this isn't just about sexual pleasure. I want to broaden it to pleasure in general, because I think that if someone's in a in a place where they don't have an active, vibrant sex life, whether it's a relationship with themselves or with someone else, it, it's pretty much a guarantee that they also don't have an active, vibrant relationship with pleasure in general. I'm talking about sensual pleasure. I'm talking about getting pleasure out of the food that you eat and getting pleasure out of going out and connecting to nature and enjoying beauty and getting pleasure out of soaking in the bathtub and and taking luxurious care of yourself. You know, pleasure out of pursuing your passions and your interests and bringing a greater sense of aliveness to your experience that really makes you want to be here. Right, right. And so my question is, well, which do we give up first? Do we give up, you know, kind of the ordinary, the other sensual pleasures besides sexuality first because we're just not feeling deserving or whatever it is? I mean, there are uh, dozens of reasons, I think, why we deprioritize our pleasures. 
I think that in a lot of relationships, sex remains the final stand that like the one pleasure people connect around. Although I think when that's the case, it's generally very much small town carnival sex and not at all <laughs> pleasure land. <laughs> but I think that if those people truly like sat back and asked themselves if they were really enjoying what was happening in that sexual connection and really like feeling fulfilled by it, their answer would across the board be no. So which begs the question, you know, is that kind of sex actually all that pleasurable? I don't think so. I think it's more automatic programming and conditioning around like what you're supposed to do in relationships and what our roles are and what the expectations are. And it's more performative. That's a reason to deprioritize sex all by itself, if that's what it's come to. Right. Because it's not a, an actual pleasurable experience. I think that that is a reality for a lot of people. Why does this happen? How do we get to this place? I, I hate to blame the patriarchy, but uh, <laughs> it, it's... Well, let's be real. I mean, that's your experience, that the patriarchy is repressive? In my view, it's all of our experience. It's our whole culture, especially in this country, is built around very limiting beliefs when it comes to gendered roles and gendered ways of thinking. And we're in the process of evolving collectively now to understand that culture has created this need for masculine dominance. And it's a shadow interpretation of what is actually a deeper truth, which is the masculine's direct leadership is incredibly valuable. But I believe that the feminine also leads in her own way. Uh, she leads through her vision and she leads with an effect that operates differently energetically than how men lead. And I think that real harmony between men and women is possible when both forms of power and leadership are recognized. And, and I think that a a healthy relationship is more like a dance. I think no man wants to lead all the time because that's a fuck ton of pressure. And sometimes he just wants to be taken care of and that that's completely okay. And for me personally, I prefer for a man to be in his leadership in a relationship with me most of the time. But do I want him to be in that all the time? And do I want no space for my own leadership? Hell no, because then I don't feel like an equal. And I have just as much vision and direction for my life as he does. So why should it not play an equivalent role? So women aren't finding enough space for that right now. Patriarchal thinking is competitive. It's me versus you. And what we are moving into and evolving into as a society is collaborative. Using people's natural, authentic strengths and finding their right place in a society right? Recognizing that patriarchal thinking tries to put people in very limiting boxes, tries to define how things are in a very structured way. And what we are moving into is a much more expanded of understanding of just how much humans exist on a spectrum, how much the experience of duality, the fact that your truth is different than my truth, and, and that doesn't make either one less truth that multiple truths can exist in a space. And, and no, it doesn't always make sense. And yes, that's uncomfortable. And 
that's the nature of our existence. I don't know that I that I find it all that uncomfortable. I don't think your thinking is very patriarchal, personally. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I never really did buy into it. The old boys network and let's all team up against the girls. I like the girls. You like the girls. Yeah, that's always been apparent about you. The games they want to play have been always kind of fascinating to me. It's like, I don't, it doesn't always have to be my game. A lot of men's association with women, it starts with mom. And so, you know, whether you had a good experience or a bad experience, one of the things that's really changing these days is it's becoming much more mainstream to go back and look at your childhood and ask yourself these questions. Like, and to, you know, actually start to become aware of what you might have experienced that wasn't necessarily cool. <laughs> it's really amazing how much hard things can be normalized in our own experience. And then when we have that moment of like kind of waking up and looking around and comparing to what other people have been through and you start to realize like, oh, I've been shaped differently in this way. I feel like men are really getting there. I meet more and more every day that are like so aware that we need to heal this disconnection. So what's the outcome? What does it feel like when we're really accessing our pleasure and being true to it on a regular basis? When we're prioritizing it? Our culture deprioritizes pleasure because experiencing pleasure feels like freedom. You know, it it's it feels like power, having some power in life, having some choice, right? Some some personal agency. Autonomy. Yeah. It helps me sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> it feels you sleep better when you have pleasure during the day. Again, I'm you know, I'm speaking to the general form of pleasure. One of the things that I very consciously did to move into more of my feminine energy and to shift how I relate to things in my day to day was I, I got very serious about infusing my days with all the forms of pleasure that I could come up with reasonably. And so I have rituals created around pleasuring myself in ways that are very much not sexual although I do have those rituals as well. But I have a daily ritual where I massage my face in my skincare routine. And there was a time in my life when I never in a million years would have seen myself with that kind of daily habit. And it's time consuming. And I was totally a, a deprioritizer. <laughs> and now I can see the very direct link that as I'm sitting there, um, you know, in, in the same way that we've talked about how giving pleasure is like channeling love energy through your hands. When I'm massaging my face, I'm channeling love into myself actively. And love is a verb, they say, right? So any act of love towards yourself, it's literally like pouring love into your love cup, which then is energy that flows through you and out of you and to everyone around you. So the more you're actively choosing to put that pleasurable, loving energy into yourself, I do it when I'm stretching. I do it when I'm cooking for myself. I make sure for any experience I'm having, if there's an opportunity for me to turn on music that I love so that I can like wiggle my hips and sing too while I'm doing it, because that makes me happier and makes me feel more pleasure, I'm going to do it. I, I'm actively prioritizing that. 
all of those things bring out my feminine energy. They literally make me feel like a sexier being. They make me feel more present. They make me feel more alive in my body. They make me feel juicier. Well, I'm constantly trying to help women see how important self-love is. Is this in your course to kind of expound on your own pleasure? These moments of pleasure, I touch on it a little bit in my course. Uh, I do have a section on just pleasure in general, uh, and I t and I talk about this concept. But it's one thing to intellectually understand the idea of infusing your life with more pleasure, but if it was fucking easy to do, everybody would do it, and everybody would be happy as a clam in their life. <laughs> well, we are inundated with all kinds of things you know, that are just the to-do list that it's endless and work and family and all those chores. There are lots of forces at play, both internally and externally, that, that make it difficult to prioritize these things. And so th that's more of the work that I do on a one-on-one -on -one basis with clients. It's a, you know, I'm meeting weekly and having contact between those meetings because it's a, it's truly a one day at a time you know, actively working on shifting the habits. And you need support when you're making changes like that in your life because, I mean, if <laughs> almost everyone deals in some way with patterns of self-abandonment or self-betrayal or self-neglect, and this is the area of your life where that's going to show up most because the things that give you pleasure are touching on your deepest desires and we're dealing with deep, raw, important stuff here when we're talking about choosing pleasure and choosing ourselves and shifting into, you know, more consciously giving ourselves love. And our shadows, our wounds, our, all of our tough stuff surfaces in the face of that. And that's why people try and they fail. They try and they fail. They try and they fail because we've got these patterns that are built in and the patterns are there trying to protect us because we don't feel safe but they've become something that actually works against us while we're trying to like consciously move into these better, better choices and better experiences. So that's a lot of what I do is I hold this tender, raw, intimate space with someone while they are unpacking all of the stuff, the complicated stuff that comes up in the face of trying to make these changes. If it were easy to go, I should have sex with my husband more. That would make us happier and just do it. Then nobody would have these problems. <laughs> yeah. So the daily grind gets in the way. It's not the daily grind. It's the way that all of our past experiences create an association with what we're trying to create in our present now. And it's the shift from creating, using all of the information from our past in this sort of like anticipatory way versus shifting into creating what you want to see and experience what you want to move into uh which is a it's a different skill set cuz the creating from the past is automatic our brain is designed to look for the threats and keep us safe from the threats and as long as we're doing that we're going to be okay we're going to survive and that's like that's that's life and survival but if you want to thrive in life, if you want to actually like fully enjoy it and, and be juicy, you can't just look for the threats and try to feel safe. You, got, you have to learn how to 
step out into spaces that that feel a little scary for you that are new territory so it's easier to point at the daily grind than to say i don't feel safe it's not that it's easier it's that there aren't enough voices like ours out there illuminating this for people and letting them know that that the problem isn't the daily grind it's deeper than that yeah i mean that's what i'm saying the the the, the, the daily grind is just the excuse Right. But what I'm saying is it's lack of awareness. People don't recognize that they're making an excuse. The the daily grind it to them is the legitimate reason. They're simply lacking awareness that their ego is making that excuse for them because there's a deeper pain going on there that they don't want to be with. Okay. So I'm going to guess that this is an experience that is more something women feel than men. I can't put my finger on even knowing too many guys that feel unsafe. Yeah. Safety's not usually something that guys articulate. Well, I, and women don't either, right? They feel it, but they don't think about it, right? Is that kind of what's going on? Well, this is why the Me Too movement went down, to help try to illuminate for men just how different our experiences are. That, yes, it's for every woman out there, the experience of needing to be vigilant for our safety is normal. Now, I personally, I'm a different breed of woman. And I just want to like clarify this. <laughs> there's a hundred percent a journey to getting to the point where I am. And so for those listening who currently don't feel safe in the world, know that <laughs> you have every reason to feel that way. And what I'm sharing about myself and my own journey doesn't take away from the validity of those feelings. This is just where I have personally moved myself to um, when it comes to operating in my own sense of safety. I personally believe that safety is something that we can only experience and create internally. We live in a world that is chaotic, unpredictable messy and absolutely uncontrollable from an individual standpoint. And so the pursuit of trying to create safety externally is folly, in my opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't capable of developing discernment and learning to identify others who recognize and are capable of co-creating safety with us. That's a beautiful thing and something that should be deepened into and expanded into and should grow between us humans maximally. However, on an individual basis, when we're just walking around in the world, I like to use the example of when when I travel internationally alone. I once went to on a trip to Mexico and I went to Tulum and I went with no plans, no place to stay, uh, <laughs> like a crazy person, and um, just planned to follow my intuition and see where it guided me in terms of my experience. And that's a whole big, long story, that trip that was really incredible. I ended up being gifted with some really miraculous experiences by the universe. And, but one of the things that I had to face on that trip in particular, because I chose to go on a little mini spiritual walkabout and go with no plan and, and lean into trusting my gut, I had to deal with my, my fear, my fear of death mainly, and just 
release the idea that I could die on this trip (laughs) because if I was going to be in fear of my death on this trip, I wasn't going to be truly open to all of the things that wanted to come to me on the trip. So I moved myself into this place of complete and utter faith in my spiritual company, my guidance, my protection, my faith that my vision for my life wasn't given to me by accident and I was not fated to die randomly driving badly on a scooter in Tulum, (laughs) which I did, by the way, and I crashed a little bit, but uh, I survived (laughs) and I wasn't that hurt at all. But I got adventure legs is what I call them. They get get a little banged up. (laughs) Point being, I made choices on that trip as a single woman going from place to place that had I not made the choice to ground myself fully in that belief, I am safe, I am guided, I am protected, and embodying that belief. Like not, it's not an intellectual belief. It's like, oh, it is grounded in my body. I would not have received the gifts and experiences that I did. And as I deepen into my experimentation with creating my own safety and making my choices based on this sense of safety, for me personally, uh, it it just becomes a richer experience. And I, and I simply learn that I have more and more control over how safe I get to feel in any given experience. So Again, I want to say like there was a journey here. Cultivating safety in the body is a skill. It's an ability that is learned and practiced. And I had to lead my body through many, many, many experiences of creating safety in order to exercise this ability enough to be able to regulate myself enough to truly be open to all that was there for me. So women have to go to the safety gym and work out a little bit. Pretty much. And and men need to go to the awareness gym. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, of course. The making women safe weightlifting. <laughs> exactly. Learning your impact gym. <laughs> mm-hmm. So did you have any experiences with men while you were there that validated your efforts? hundred percent. Okay. So you went and you cavalierly said safety. I mean, I'm not saying you threw safety out the window. Uh, I'm not suggesting anything like that, but, but it's like, I'm going to confront my fears about safety. Uh, Yes. I, I, I went with the full embodied decision that if it felt safe and trustworthy to me and my body, that that was enough. And I was going to trust that and act as if that was rule. And so I wasn't just going out into Mexico open to anything to happen. I was going very consciously connected with my body, feeling into what feels like it's for me. So I'll give a, a little example. The first man that I that I met on that trip, I was bicycling down the beach and my intuition very clearly at one point said, go back uh, right after I had passed by this place. So I turned around and um, right when I got there, this big, tall, beautiful black man was standing there waiting for me. It felt like <laughs> and his name was Ocean. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, you. And I kind of looked at him and I go, you. (laughs) 
And it felt like this, like, you know, well, hey, we're here to hang together. And and he asked me, he's like, what are you doing right now? And I was like, I don't know. Why don't you tell me what I should do? <laughs> and he said, you should come hang out with me on the beach. A uh, perfect example of a scenario that many women would shy away from. Strange man. I don't know him. I'm immediately going to go off and chill with him. And uh, But I am operating at such a level of conversation with my body and my awareness of what feels safe to me that I'm able to just lean into that trust. And and so he and I ended up having a few incredible hours together in conversation and just he was major king energy and and it was fun discovering each other. And we were going to hang further that evening, but I was on bike and he was on foot and we got separated. <laughs> and I said to myself, well, if I'm meant to see him again, I will. And uh, in the meantime, I met another man uh, who ended up being a platonic connection, a safe platonic connection who fully respected me and my boundaries and also was like inspired by me and honored by my presence was like really this amazing man to spend time with. And he just showered me. He let me pick where I would like to stay on the beach and got a nice big room to share some space with me. Again, platonically with no expectations. Uh, he took me out to a $1,500 dinner, which was like dining amongst the gods. He bought me a gorgeous $400 hand beaded dress. I mean, it was just like, it was literally like I was being utterly showered upon. And the whole time I was like, I'm not attracted to you. I'm not here for vacation sex. I'm just not that vibe. And <laughs> I left his presence after there was more magic that occurred. We had some really cool uh, experiences, especially a cenote experience that will be with me the rest of my life, my inner mermaid. <laughs> but uh, I left his presence and went back to the beach where I met Ocean and walked out onto the beach. And he was there working out at the beach gym and no words were exchanged. I walked out in front of him and he pointed at me and like walked down and grabbed my hand and walked me into the ocean and we had ocean sex. <laughs> and it was like <laughs> completely different vibes. But again, both experiences, really, all of them, none of which would have been possible without the like my connection to my sense of safety and my knowing when an experience is for me. And I got to have one of the most thrilling experiences of my life just from following these impulses and uh, trusting it. Well, it sounds like you definitely prioritize your pleasure. <laughs> I was a receiving machine on that trip. And that's why we're here. You and I both prioritize pleasure of all kinds, whether it's being on the beach. I just spent the winter in Florida. It was very pleasurable on so many levels. Mm -hmm. um, and so this is who we are. And this is why we talk about what we talk about. And that's so cool that you don't hold back, that you have the courage to take your safety uh, into your own hands and, and make, you know, make those decisions. And I mean, you know, it takes a little bit of courage to do that. It takes a little bit of some uncertainty, right, to it, do that? It takes a tremendous amount of courage. <laughs> 
Because honestly, from a rational viewpoint, there there are plenty of rational reasons to to point at what I chose to do and say it was crazy. <laughs> and the radical act of choosing to trust myself, to believe my inner voice, to connect so deeply with my own body that I truly feel like I'm communicating with everything around me using my whole body. It's the most incredibly gratifying experience to watch these magical experiences unfold for myself in response to the intention that I set, that I'm simply going to walk forward and remain open to what wants to come to me, to what is attracted to me. And feeling for that sense of attraction and that sense of alignment and like being in integrity with who I am, it's the most empowering feeling because the universe is responsive as hell. And like just the the gifts, the blessings that come when you are moving in that energy, the hearts you connect to, the people that you meet, that the single conversations you have with people that that are pivot points that change lives. You're just you're so in flow with the universe in that state that it's just like it's such an abundant, abundant experience. So, folks, this is what we want for you. Abundant, abundant, abundance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we picked stop deprioritizing your own pleasure because really it was high up as far as what we see as what's in the way of getting what you want. In fact, our next episode is why you don't have what you want. And after that, fuck shame. So we're going to really kind of delve in on a deeper level going forward into other ways. Now, we're not going to really be saying we're going to stop deprioritizing your pleasure, but we, we're here to show you how. Uh, we're here to give you examples of things that you can be in action about in getting more of what you want and getting off more regular basis. I like that you kind of edited yourself and said, well, we're not going to be doing it for you because I think that's such an important thing to underline. It's like this aspect of personal responsibility when it comes to changing our experience in life. You are the only one who can prioritize your own pleasure. You are the only one who can change your experience. You are the only one who can shift the dynamic in your relationship if that is what you desire. You are the only one. And we are here to help you and support you. And lots of people can support you. So receive, receive, receive support. And I think that is as far as we can go today. So check us out next week next episode why you don't have what you want see you next week thank you for joining us for today's episode of getting off with natalie and rocky for more resources and ways to work with us visit getting off with natalie and rocky.com please don't forget to follow rate review and share the show join us again next week for another stimulating episode we're here to expand your view of what's possible in intimacy and pleasure.